What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Are you kidding me? You are looking live. Winning cures everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. That's right. Winning Cures Everything Tuesday, March 15th edition of the show. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And yes, we know we are right in the middle of March Madness. Everybody's ready to fill out brackets, all that good stuff. Uh, Go over to the website. I'll have something up about a bracket pool of some sort. So go ahead and uh, and make sure that you click the link there and whatnot. But uh, but today we're not talking basketball. We are going to talk college football. Chris and I are currently out of town. We are doing the damn thing. We are enjoying a little bit of time away. Uh, and with that said, you know we're going to roll into some college football talk. Just some uh, topics of discussion, things that I have run across that seemed very interesting to me. I, you know, Chris, I don't know how much they will be interesting to you, but um, <laughs> but I, I do want to talk about them just because I'm, I'm pumped about the season already. We are into spring football. We've already had several spring football games. I'm uh, I'm kind of excited about everything right now. So let's uh, let's get into this first topic, my friend. Uh, the first one on the board here is who will be the most successful first year college football coach in 2022 now we've got a whole list of them and we can of course talk about brian kelly and lincoln riley etc etc because those are the the two high profile ones but do you have any off the top of your head that you think will be really successful in year one right off the bat yeah see i was i was not even considering guys like brian kelly because yes they're first year coaches at those positions at those jobs but they're not they're not first-year coaches, okay? These are well-established. I mean, that'd be like if Bill Belichick left the Patriots and, and you know, went to, to coach the Colts. Like, True. All right? It's his first year there, but he's not the he's not, he's not a first-year head coach. So they, they those weren't even, like, consideration. All right, so I, I assume the same would be for uh, for Mario Cristobal, right? Like, different situation, yeah, I don't, but he's been around the I block. He's not in the class of those other guys. I know everybody in the media for some reason thinks he is, um, but I, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't see it. I don't see it. Uh, man, I, 
there's a couple of guys I'm interested in. I just don't know. Billy Napier's got to be the one I'm most interested in. Will he be the best? I don't know. Florida's just jumped into the belly of the beast being in the SEC and, and with the schedule being out. But he's, he's one of the best coaches in the country, in my opinion, that just got a big boy job. Yeah, so that's who I'm most interested to see. That's the only name on the list that that I that I'm really going to be laser focused on. I'm I'm very interested in in Billy Napier, but I think it's going to take some time to like reestablish a culture there. And it's kind of the same thing with Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley and Cristobal, for that matter. Um, Billy Napier, I think, could be incredibly successful year one right off the bat. But Ooh, I don't, well, we just have to define what success is. I think that like, he could get them back to like nine and three. Okay, well, I think yeah, that but, would be successful. I don't think he could win the SEC East this year by any means, um, but I think that he can reestablish. To, I need to see their non-con teams though, because nine they, wins. They play like Utah. that means they're beating Tennessee, but they could still lose to LSU. They could still lose to Georgia, and they could still lose. You know, another SEC game like that's. Now they so they play uh, they play Utah at home in their first game, so that okay, so that'd be a big non-con win. That'd be a big win. Okay. Yeah, that would be a big win. Uh, looking at the rest of Florida's schedule here, da, 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 da. let's see, get that mic closer so I'm not uh, echoing everywhere. So you think if they win all their games but they lose LSU, they lose Georgia. I'm not saying they will lose LSU, Georgia. I'm just saying I'm just going through a happenstance. The highest ranked teams that they're going to play preseason or whatever well here i've, I've got LSU, the schedule so let's let's they go lose georgia and they lose one of either tennessee or utah you would think that would be a successful season yeah i think nine and three with with what florida just went through uh i i don't think that their expectations are sky high right now because okay. they they understand i think florida fans understand that they have got to uh they got to figure some things out they got to get back on the recruiting trail uh, they are not as talented as a lot of the teams that are going to be playing, uh, especially this season. Not, here's, a, here's the beginning I'm of the schedule, by the way. Uh, I'm just, I was just curious. It surprised me a little that that, that was your, that was your take that 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 would be. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Nine and three, I think it's. But successful. I'm okay with that. Yeah, uh, most I'm the one that says all the time it's not your birthright to win ten games. So yeah, well, they, I, I would agree with that. It shocks me. You, you, we we see that thing. So they open with Utah, then they've got Kentucky. Both of those are at home. Uh, they got USF after that, then at Tennessee, Eastern Washington, Missouri, and then they play LSU at home. They've got a bye week before playing Georgia in Jacksonville. Then they play at Texas A&M immediately after Georgia. So that one could be kind of oh, tough. Oh, shit. They have LSU. Okay, now if they win nine games on that schedule, yep, 100%. Yeah. That's, that's not just successful. That's incredible. That's, yeah. I don't, yeah. Think, I don't think there's any way on earth they're doing that. It, it, I could see this team getting around eight and four, nine and three. It all depends on what they do with the quarterback position. I mean, who knows? They got the the recruit. Uh, excuse me, the transfer. God, where's it? Oh, well, Ohio State from Ohio State. And I, I do love Billy name. Napier. Yeah, so. no, 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 certainly. Uh, and so they close out with South Carolina at Vanderbilt, and then they play at Florida State. Who, who knows what to expect out of the Seminoles this year? You know, Mike Norvell going into his third year, he needs a big year. Uh, the fact that they've got that Doke Campbell is is so pretty they got good deal. two basically two actually big non-con teams and they play two of the top three teams from the west that's a sure that is a hell that's a, they're yeah, not that's a stack win, schedule. they're not getting a nine win <laughs> that's a stack and that's schedule. not a knock on florida and that damn train a knock on billy no yeah. no for sure for sure that's a grind that's a grind that's a grind 
The other coach that I'm interested in, another big boy, massive program, maybe the biggest program in the history of college football. Uh, we've got a first-year head coach ever at the University of Notre Dame. And, yes, Marcus Freeman. And that, and and that's a, and this is a dude that people have been talking about for the last couple of years. That he is a rising star, and and that is, I think that is true. But first year, lots of stars get get kind of kicked around their first year. So uh, well, I will tell I'm, you, this. I'm very interested to see their schedule ain't easy. The their schedule no, ain't no, no. easy. Well, their schedule's never easy. Oh, they, no, no, no. People but, talk about Notre Dame all the time, about, <laughs> oh, they're independent, so they get to make their own schedule. They are a top 10 strength of schedule every year. Every year. Well, especially on name-brand opponent. They, they, the years sometimes fall uh, like they did last year, where the competition well, is the, not the most difficult. Well, it, but, you know, people who talk about how the ACC is really good, you know, the, the, what hurt Notre Dame's strength of schedule was, was saying we're going to play eight games against the ACC every year, and now all of a sudden the schedule gets really, really soft in certain spots. Oh yeah, all right? that doesn't that doesn't say a whole lot for the ACC, by the way. That's right? true. So. That is true. Uh, so here's what Notre Dame's got: they play at Ohio State, then they've got Marshall and California at home. They play at North Carolina. They got a bye week, then they play BYU in Las Vegas. They play Stanford at home, UNLV at home, at Syracuse, Clemson. Navy in Baltimore, and then they've got Boston College and at USC. Yeah, I mean, it's that, but that's Notre Dame's schedule, man. I, I think they schedule hard games all the time. Oh, all yeah. The time. Oh, yeah. No, I, it, I, I wonder uh, if they lose a couple of those games early. Like, obviously, going to Ohio State in week one, oh, uh, yeah. that's, that's, that's rough. Insane. That is rough. That's, but Yeah. You're going into the horseshoe. That's a big deal. And then in week four, you play at North Carolina. Then you play BYU right after that. I mean, you come out of this thing two and three, this thing could spiral. It could absolutely spiral. Uh, Clemson, of course, always difficult. Uh, playing at USC uh, at the end of the season, Lincoln at the end of Lincoln Riley's first year, uh, that's going to be interesting. So I'm I'm curious to see. I think he could be really, really good because the culture has, We're not going to judge been set. Freeman off this year, right? So let's say no. for some reason the wheels come off and they do spiral. We're, we're not judging Freeman off of one year, right? No, I don't believe so. Okay. I don't believe I so. I didn't think so, but I just wanted to I just wanted to make sure we were on the same page on that. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, don't, I don't think they would do that. And I, I certainly am not going to judge him off of this. Uh, it depends on what they've got at quarterback, and we still really have no idea. They're, they're losing Jack Cohn. I, who knows what they're going to end up looking like. I will say that. Uh, the next ones that I had on this list uh, – Hey, so uh, go ahead and bring this up real quick. Jeff Tedford is back at Fresno. It, you know, he's been out of out of the game for a couple of years. You think he can come in? You know, they got a fantastic quarterback and everything. I mean, does Fresno just kind of keep on rolling? They won nine games last year, uh, upset UCLA. Well, yeah, this, I, I think Fresno's a good school, a good program. They they put some money into that program last couple of seasons, and uh, and they, they they've kind of been a different caliber Mountain West team last couple of years um, trying to compete for the Mountain West, being competitive in that conference, uh, I think Tepper will do fine. I think so, too. I think he's going to be just fine. And I, I don't even know that you would really consider him a, a first-year coach. But, you know. The fact that he, yeah, he's just basically taking the job he used to have. You yeah. know. No, you're, uh, you're not wrong about that. Uh, the next one I've got down is Brent Venables at Oklahoma. Uh, getting Jeff Lebby for his offensive coordinator was a massive, massive proposition and on top of that, you go and get Dylan Gabriel out of the transfer portal. Uh, I think they're going to be fine. 
Like, I think Oklahoma's going to be really successful. They could probably win the Big 12 again this next year. Oh, you're just saying win the Big 12 first year. Yeah. Woo. I think they right. could. I, I think they, I think they'll be good. I think they'll be fine. I, I actually don't have them being that good. But I might be wrong. And this isn't a knock on Venables. I think Venables wants to coach a completely different team than Lincoln Riley built. Oh, yes. I think, think – all right, so, so let's – now Tedford's going to do a lot of what a lot of what Riley does, but but Venables is going to want to be more um, build around the defense. Um, let's play hard nosed, tough football. I think that takes a little bit of time to transition the culture of that team into. It you might I don't think be you right do that overnight. Yeah. I don't think you do that overnight, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I yeah, just think you, you got to shift the culture. I, I, if, if, if Brett Venables is, is – if Oklahoma looks anything like the Oklahoma the last five years, six years, I'll just be shocked, okay? I think Brett Venables would hate himself if he wakes up every day knowing they got to score 40 and, and hope that they don't give up 43 to win a football game. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. But uh, with Jeff Levy in there, with Dylan Gabriel, with the talent that's, that's even still left – I know a lot of it left with Lincoln Riley, but uh, – They've still got dudes. They still got guys. I think they could still be really, really good. I don't know that they'll win the Big Twelve. I'm not going to necessarily predict them to do that. I just, it wouldn't surprise me if they do, right? Like, I, nothing in the Big Twelve. I think uh, it would surprise me. I do think it would surprise me. Okay, okay. I, I think the the guys that were at the top of the Big Twelve are losing so much that you know. I just, I think everybody's get this. This conference will be a, pr- a free for all. Like I just I think it's gonna be crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh no, next. no my boy Dave my boy Dave Aranda about to put a chokehold on it. <laughs> I mean they they're losing a lot this year. They are losing a bunch. I don't care. Uh number, I don't care. they didn't have much when he got there. It'd be all right. Number five here, Dan Lanning, uh Georgia defensive coordinator that took over as the head coach for uh Oregon when Mario Cristobal left. Uh, look, Cristobal left a ton of talent in the tank there. I think that he could he could really really surprise some people this year, um, you know. Kenny Dillingham is the uh, the new OC. You know, can Dillingham do more? Because people think that there's more talent on that offense than there than maybe there really is. Um, but Joe Moorhead wasn't able to get a whole lot out of it. Like, do they? Bo Nix, of course, is the uh, is the quarterback there now. They maybe they surprise some people. What, what do you think about uh, Lanning? Uh, I would need to understand the parameters of success and good. Can they be competitive in the Pac-12? Sure. Uh, non-conference speaking, um, I don't think they're close to good with the national good. Yeah. I mean, you, you might be right about that. You might be right. Uh, let's, uh, let's roll through some other names right quick just to get a feel on them. Um, you know, Brent Pry at Virginia Tech, uh, former Penn State defense coordinator. Like, uh, yeah, I mean uh, – Virginia Tech Maybe. is always I, solid, right? I, they, well, they have been. Uh, they they weren't under our, our guy, but I I have. But they're so far away from what they were with Frank Beamer coach that team, and that was our entire childhood and adult life, other than the last you know five years or whatever. I don't. I have no idea what to expect out of out of Virginia Tech. I would like to see the Hokies go back to a, a you know a national power team. You know, not that he can't get them there. I just got to see it because it's been so long since I've kind of taken them serious. 
let's uh let's talk about these two right quick. Uh, Sonny Dykes taking over TCU. I I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to build what he wants there. Uh, I I don't know that you can implement that. Like I I will. How about this? We'll compare the two. Rhett Lashley takes over as the head coach at SMU. I think he has more wins in year one than Sonny Dykes does. Uh, yeah, but that's competition, though. Hang on now. That's it's competition as well, but it's also that Lashley runs the exact same thing that Dykes ran, uh, and it was already set up at SMU. Like, I think it's but, just going to take no, time. No, 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 no. I'm not going to give Dykes a pass on that. All right? I, and I love Sonny Dykes. I love Sonny Dykes. Okay? You know this? We talked about this. It's yeah. established. Sonny, Sonny Dykes' offense is not something that takes years of development and bringing in your guys. This is not going from – a, a, a wild spread them out team to a hard nosed eye formation run the football team. Okay? You can you can run Sandak's offense at the flip of the switch. You go in, spring practice, teach these guys the offense and they can run it that next day. This is not a complicated thing. It's not a complex thing. It, it's just not. Okay? It's not. So okay. that offense is going to be what it is day one. Now will he have the quarterback that he idealistically wants? I don't know. You know, will he have some of the skill players that he idealistically wants? Probably not. But it doesn't, doesn't mean he can't run the offense. It doesn't mean it won't be successful to a level. I just think that the caliber of play in the Big 12 is just more rounded. And, and, and I think Sonny Dykes is going to realize he's not walking into the lion's den of the Big 12. But I do think there's some, some better defensive coaches out there uh, Oklahoma State has put a, a big emphasis on defense. Oklahoma, by hiring Venables, has obviously, I think, going to put a big emphasis on defense. I think, you know, Dave Aranda at, at, at Baylor put an emphasis on defense. I think those guys and, and the defenses around those programs are just going to find ways to shut Sonny down. Because whenever Sonny would play well-coached, high-talented defenses, he struggles. Yeah, no, you are not wrong about that. Uh, that kind when of, he plays teams like Memphis, he, he beat the hell out of them or would swing for the fences with them, just match them point for point. Yeah. When he played teams like Cincinnati, he really got put in the phone booth, and he really, really struggled. You are not wrong about that. Uh, the last one I that I want to bring up. going to give him problems as well. Like oh, that's yeah. another school oh, that, yeah. that'll give him fits that he's going to have to play. So I, I like TCU, but I, I think – Sonny's going to be really interesting. Oh, I think so, too. I think so, too. Uh, the, the last one that I want to bring up, Caitlin DeBoer replaces Jimmy Lake at Washington. Uh, DeBoer was at Fresno. At, this is this is what his career has looked like here recently. Uh, DeBoer was the OC under Tedford and then left and was the OC for one season at Indiana, and it was Indiana's best season maybe ever uh, under Tom Allen. And then he leaves to go back to Fresno to take over the head coaching job when Jeff Tedford retires. DeBoer does amazing things on offense, et cetera. Fresno, really good football team last year. He takes over at Washington. I, this is another one of those situations where I think it's going to take a little bit of time to move them from what they were doing offensively uh, because they were they were pretty good on defense anyway. But I think this offense is going to take a little bit of time because he's going to have to recruit the guys that he wants. Now, you can flip a roster now a lot easier uh, with the transfer portal, and they've done some of that. I just I don't have a lot of faith that this is going to work right off the right off the bat. Yeah, I don't either. But, you know, I, I've been wrong about guys before. 
I mean, they do have quarterbacks. I don't, I don't think there's a ton of talent in Washington, by the way. That's, that's think, what I'm saying. I don't think – Chris Peterson won in spite of talent. That was kind of always his calling card of what he was known for. Is he didn't have to have the greatest guy at Boise to compete because he was going to beat you on scheme. And, and then they just brought in guys that worked with Chris Peterson, but none of those knew how to do what Chris Peterson knew how to do. And yeah. they still never got great talent there. I, I just – I think Washington's going to really struggle to win football games. I don't think they help the Pac-12 get stronger. I think you're right. I think you're right. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the next topic here. Who is the next G5 powerhouse now that Cincinnati, UCF, BYU, and Houston have moved on to the Big 12? We got a whole slew of them. Which one jumps off the page at you right now as being the one that's going to kind of take over the mantle for the G5? In all honesty, I don't. I don't like any of them. I mean, that's just the truth. I, I, we're just not. We're just not going to see another Cincinnati or UCF. Uh, that's not true. I would assume it would have to be a Memphis, or I, I think. I think you have to come from a big city or a big fan base, alumni base school that has the money and the funds to to try to compete, and you basically can dominate at a low level long enough to where you can get to the higher level. Because I've tried to talk myself into, like, can App State become that? Can Louisiana become that? I just don't don't know that they'll ever have the resources that a Cincinnati or UCF ever had. I tend to agree with you. Uh, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston were were in hotbed recruiting markets. Uh, They built up fan bases. Games of of money. Games of money. They had talent that was local. Big cities, um, or or in big football areas where football was real, real important. I mean, I guess the only logical answer is Boise. If Boise ever hits again, you know we've seen it before. Maybe we'll see it again. But I just, I just can't see many others. Memphis has that all the parameters to do that, and you know we've been on that stage before. But yeah, I, you know. Well, here's here's the list that I've got, and I don't have them in any order. I've got Memphis, App State, and, and I put App State because uh, in the Sun Belt, you know, they're going to be getting a better TV contract. Et oh yeah. Um, uh, well, not just a better TV contract. If if you go undefeated on their side of the Sun Belt and go undefeated through the Sun Belt, and they play a tough non-con game every year and ever win that, they're they're going to be in that conversation. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They'll be there and every year. The whole world remembers seeing them. It was like 25 years ago. The whole world remembers seeing them beat a blue blood. Oh, yes. So we have it in our brain that we they can't. That's the same thing I feel about uh, uh, Boise. Like, we've seen them do it. Yes, it was 30 years ago, but we know that they can do it. Yes. It, it's not something that we have to imagine, right? Uh, so Memphis App State, I put Boise on here. We just talked about them. Uh, SMU. Like obviously they've got the wallets, but I mean you just lost your head coach that you didn't want to lose. You just lost them to TCU. You know I, I I don't know that I don't know that there are some of these other programs that would lose uh, a guy to a you know a, a rival for one, but two a guy that's you know just a, or a team that's just across town. Like, SMU thinks that they are as good as TCU or as big as TCU. SMU's in that conversation. Yeah. SMU's in that conversation. They've got the fan base. They've got the location. They've got everything in the equation you need to have it. Um, 
So, I mean, yeah, they, they should have been in that conversation. I haven't. Maybe I left them out because somewhere in my brain, I think if they ever get to that level, the Big 12 sucks them up. I really do. I, oh, yeah. I think if they ever get to that level, the Big 12 goes to 14. The oh, yeah. Big, yeah, the Big 12 will, will end up adding two teams because they'll want them and they'll basically have a division of Texas teams that yeah. they'll get to roll out, compete, and dominate in Texas. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree. Uh, I've got, let's see, five more here. Uh, so two Mountain West schools, or sorry, three Mountain West schools, Colorado State, uh, if they ever find the coach that really, really gets it going, because McElwain had them rolling, uh, but he obviously left for Florida way back when. Uh, Fresno yeah. State and then San Diego State. Like, those are those are all spots that have boosters that would really, really fund the program. Uh, you get something rolling in the Mountain West. We saw it with Boise before, and we, we have brought up Boise on here. Uh, those are some that, you know, the Mountain West is a difficult enough conference you can, if you dominate that conference, you can really make noise on a national level, and especially those with the with the recruiting hotbeds where they're located. Uh, you know, San Diego still got players. Fresno still got players. Colorado State, like that's kind of difficult, but you know, uh, I I don't think it's impossible. I don't think it's impossible at all. And, and everybody knows Colorado State got fantastic facilities. Uh, they just have kind of been harebrained about their hires. As long as they get the hire right, like maybe Jay Norvell works really well there. Maybe. But we'll see. And then my, my last two, uh, USF, because they are starting to invest in the program a lot. And finally, UAB. Uh, if they keep winning at the clip that they're winning at, they could end up maybe making some noise, especially if they're moving into the AAC. They have, uh, they have a lot of success there. I'd certainly think that they could make some national noise. You kind of feel the same? Well, making a national noise and becoming Cincinnati are two very different things. Oh, I completely agree with both of those. I, you know what? I should. This is shame on me. I should have had South Florida on the list because there was a day and a time where they, they were on this list. I mean, they yeah. were the hot up-and-coming team before UCF ever was ever thought of. They just fell apart as soon as the first good coach they had left. They didn't have the, the stability of a program to make a good hire after good hire after good hire to continue to build as you know you're going to have coaches getting poached. They didn't They didn't have the ability to do that. But they've got money. They've got location. They've got, uh, you know, city cachet and, and recruiting ability. They, they've got everything you need. They need to find a coach that will buy in and, and, and really, really want to be a part of it. Yes. Yes, I agree. Uh, let me do the reads right quick. Uh, of course, the website, winningcureseverything.com, that is the spot to find everything you need to know about us, everywhere to subscribe, everywhere to follow, etc. social media, podcast, YouTube, etc. Uh, if you have not already, subscribe to the podcast. That certainly helps us out. Leave a nice five-star review on whatever your favorite podcast app is, Spotify, Apple, etc. Go ahead and knock that out for us. And, of course, the YouTube channel. Make sure and subscribe over there. We're at about uh, 5,600 subscribers. Uh, the number continues to grow even with no actual football games going on, so we certainly appreciate that. But you guys, uh, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. If you're watching the show, first off, we appreciate you. Second, hit that like button for us. And third, uh, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss the show. Hit that notification bell, all that good stuff, and jump into the chat. We like to see everybody in the chat, everybody that jumps into the comments. We enjoy it. 
Uh, if you aren't following on Twitter, do that. I'm at Gary WCE. Chris is at Chris B. Giannini. And, of course, the show is at Winning Cures. Uh, and then, of course, if you want to hear more from me, I host weekly shows over at BetUSTV. You can check it out, BetUSTV.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right. Next topic on the board. We have got a fun one here. uh, And we might make this one the last one. We'll see. Um, Which week college football programs fans would become completely unbearable if they get good. And I've got a few options here, but are there any that just immediately... I need need to know what you mean by good. Define Uh, good. If they got, uh, like, championship competitor good. How about this? Win championship? Like, conference championship good. So just win one conference championship. Oh, yeah. That's it? That's it. That's all I'm talking about. (laughs) <laughs> so we, uh, the, the answer the answer the answer to this is simply every so in the state of mississippi okay all right we have two we have two power five schools and one you and i are innocent bystanders we've grown up in the state our entire life okay and everybody in this state knows one as a rich boy school and one as a very blue-collar school. One right? of those is is number one on my list, by the way. Yeah. So, I think, hang on, every state has these. Whatever the rich boy school is, that's the answer for every state, and it's not close. So, like, I don't know that Old Miss is going to be different or better than, you know, I'm trying to think of an example because I don't live in any of these states because I only live in the state that I live in. But, like, it's, it's just one of those things where if you've got a rich boy school and you've got a blue collar school, if the rich boy school ever gets good, people are going to hate it. They're just going to hate it. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I think you're probably right. I was going to put names to it. Um, so well, yeah, I, my, you're going to say Ole Miss. Yeah, but I don't my, know that Ole Miss is any different than whatever Ole Miss's equivalency is in some other damn con, you know, state. So, I, I, all right. My my second one here is Iowa State because they they have already gotten uh well they're, but, they're pretty but isn't Iowa State like the equivalency of Ole Miss in the state of Iowa? Wouldn't you say that? Like they're probably the snootier school. Iowa's corn fed. Like they're obviously the blue blood school. Yeah, I guess I guess college. they are. But they've been so bad for so long. Um, I just yeah, you're probably right. You are probably. Right. I, I think this. Is, I think this is a mentality, and this isn't obviously everybody, because I grew up as poor as poor gets in the state of Mississippi. Well, that's not true. I grew up pretty poor in the state of Mississippi, and and I ended up at Ole Miss, and you know whatever. Like that. This doesn't broad brush everybody, but you know the stereotype and the stigma for the schools. I know plenty of guys that are Ole Miss fans that 100 percent went there and did not grow up. That way, they didn't live that frat boy lifestyle, um, rich boy lifestyle. But, but we all know what we're talking about when I'm saying that. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. I, I did have Duke on here, 
um, because we know well, how yeah. Duke basketball fans are. Well, yeah. So it's it's this, kind of the same. But this is yeah, this is just this is just rich boy, you know, school. <laughs> I put uh, I put Vanderbilt on here. Um. <laughs> rich boy, school. is there a blue collar school on the list? Uh, I'm sure Iowa see. State fans really hate that they're not blue collar. Iowa State's probably about as blue collar of a rich boy school as you can get. It might not even be a rich boy school. Is um, I might be wrong about that. All right, so I, I put North Carolina on here. Um, but I like I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's blue collar. What what about South Carolina? No, I don't think South Carolina would be super obnoxious to deal with. You're talking about a school that if they ever got good enough. To beat all I think, of these I think you're right. are a million times bigger than them and better than them and have been at everything. And hang on, one year they made it to the SEC title game. And they weren't, you know, they yeah, weren't they, overbearing or insane. Overbearing. And then, and the next year, they damn sure didn't think that they were going to get back and just all of a sudden think, all right, this is now our lifestyle. So I would disagree with South Carolina. Now I'm super biased here I, because I like South Carolina. Well, yeah, no, oh. I, I like them too. I, I. Wonder because they're the scrappy underdogs and whatnot, but I, they haven't always been the scrappy underdogs. Here, I I wonder, at like, one is South Carolina the the rich boy school in that state as opposed to Clemson? I do not think so. Um, I and I don't. And I Maybe it's changed. I don't know the demographics, but but I'm I'm going to tell you that one of them is a little engine that could, and the other one is a blue blood juggernaut. So yeah. Yeah, no, you're you're right. Uh, I put down Indiana here, but I don't know where they would fall either. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't consider Indiana fans to be obnoxious, or or. And some of this is going to be media darlings because we know the media is going to like if Mississippi State got really good, and the media hates um, uh, uh, Mike Leach, they're not going to become obnoxious because you're not going to see them on TV all the time. You're not going to see all of these uh, announcers talking about them every week because they don't want to promote Mike Leach, okay? Let's, I'm just using this as an example, not saying this is true. But, but let's say because Lincoln uh, – not Lincoln. Uh, Lane Kiffin is, has uh, kind of re-energized his image, and now you know he brings a lot of clicks, and he's, he's funny, and he's likable, and, and all of these things – now media people love him, okay? If they win, they're going to drive so much of this. If every time you turn the TV on, you see all those sports writers that talk about the sport talking about this school over and over again, that's what gets annoying. It's not that fan base. It's, it's the people that drive the conversation in the sports. Like, I can, I can hide from Ole Miss fans. But there's only so many people that talk about the sport that I've got to get my news from that are that's going true. to dictate, is this team getting annoying or not? Yeah, that's a for, very For some valid reason, point. everybody told me this year that, that, that you know, the city of Ames is going to be the mecca of football in the Big 12, <laughs> and they were going to compete and win the Big 12, and I thought they were going to struggle to finish fourth. And I just didn't understand it. I didn't get it. I didn't think Brock Purdy was that good. I thought they would be good. I thought they'd be really competitive in a lot of games, and they were, but I just didn't think they were going to be what people thought they were going to be. A lot of that, a lot of people who cover college football just said that over and over and over again. And I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. That could be where some of the obnoxiousness comes from. Not from the fans, but from the But from the 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 actual, yeah, the national media. 
Yeah, that's a, I do. I do wonder, um, like Miami, if Crystal Ball gets that thing rolling at Miami, I think oh, it could get no, no, really annoying. No, that 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 I would say that's going to be the number one answer. Oh yeah, but but see, I have a hard. I don't think that. Like, I know everyone keeps saying that Crystal Ball is the second coming. I, I I might be really 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 wrong. Big 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 wrong. Just I just got to see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you, uh, and that's why. But I put I'm hundred percent agree. Right? We're we're in agreement. If Miami gets back to being the, God, the you, <laughs> it it'll get obnoxious like six seconds after they're good. Oh yeah. Oh, most certainly. I mean, if they're if they're if they're seven and zero oh in a season, <laughs> and they've still got five games left, it'll it'll be unbearable to get through those five weeks. Oh yes, a, a thousand percent. I mean, it was getting close to it when uh, when Rick had them what number two in the country, um, but it, it was only a short while. Like they, I think they started oh, yeah. out ten and zero. The turnover okay. chain, all that. Yeah. Like it's don't get me wrong, it was it was fun, but it also it it hit a fever pitch very quickly, very quickly, very quickly. Uh, let's see. So you're you talking know, about a rich private school, big money. Okay. Like, you know that th- these are all things that go into it. Like I just can't see. You know, people get nobody got sick of Boise when Boise got real good, real like for a while. Oh, like, I don't, that never I don't know got, about that. I don't, I, I don't. There, there were a lot of people think, that were not exactly thrilled with Boise because Boise was UCF before, uh, before there was UCF, really. Yeah, but the only people that got mad at them were people that they were taking either a people that they beat didn't like them, and uh, people that they took attention away from them didn't like them. So, like, only the teams at the top of the food chain. Uh, yeah, or I the guess, big boys that got beat by them. I could, I but could I don't see think that. nationally people got sick of them as fans. I think the, the majority of, of other fans loved them. Like You're probably Alabama right about fans that. didn't like didn't like UCF because there were a lot of people that were saying, "Well, UCF co national champions with Alabama," and they didn't want somebody to take their shine away. Like, wait a minute, don't put them in the same conversation with us. And and, and people only did it in tongue in cheek. But the <laughs> idea that that got under a lot of Bama fans. Made it fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely worked. It was a good PR move for sure. Uh, the last topic that I wanted to hit, and and we've got a little bit of time, we can do this. Uh, what are the most fun, interesting college football schools to cheer for? Now, I've got, I've got my own brand, right? Of of teams that I like to pull for, and it's the you know I like Iowa and I like Utah and I like these kind of power football teams that still like to run the foot. And I know that's not the most efficient way to win football games nowadays. But I do find them very easy to pull for. But I've got like a whole list here of teams that I find incredibly interesting and a lot of fun uh, that, I, that I pull for pretty much every time I see them, right? Anytime I'm watching a game with them, I'm, I'm kind of pulling for them. Uh, I like Kent State and Coastal Carolina to start off with. But, uh, but who have you got on, on your list as far as who is fun to pull for? So, so you said you have like a like a brand or a, or a style. I don't, I don't know that I have a style. I don't know if there's anything in common with any of these. I, I like teams that are on the come up or that have, have never really been there before. So, like, I fell in love with the Chip Kelly Oregon football team, right? Yeah. Like, this is not a team that has ever really been good at all. But they've got flashy uniforms, and they put up a bunch of points, and they piss off Nick Saban. And so it made me happy to watch them play football. 
right? Now, that is not the style of football I grew up watching, but I but I loved loved them, okay? So, like, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy teams like that. I like Gus Malzahn coach football team because he runs the ball and find ways to put up, to scheme up a lot of points. Like, he doesn't just throw a lot of, you know, touchdowns and, and put up points. He, he does it in a lot of different ways. I like that he's a weird, quirky guy. I like the same reason I, I love Mike Leach. The exact same thing. He's weird. He's quirky. He's silly. He's goofy. Um, he's awkward and uncomfortable. These are all things that I, I see a lot in myself outside of the fact that I'm not a football genius. I think he is. And, and so I like rooting for his teams. Now when, but these are people, these are individuals that I buy into, uh, fan bases are specific teams because of uniform or whatever. I've kind of gotten away. I, like I have my team. Okay. Yeah. But that's it. Like I, I, I like, I like the Chanta Clares because I like Jamie Tabwell. But if Jamie yeah. Tabwell hops on a bus tomorrow for somewhere else, I don't know that I'm going to love them anymore. Like, like I love Bill Clark. But I can't tell you that I love UAB. I love, love Bill Clark. That, so so it's, this is a harder discussion for me to have because I can tell you who I like to watch and root for now. Yeah, so, so you, you pull four coaches. Yeah, you pull like you, you've pull, got certain I, coaches that you like. I like people. I pull for people. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. Uh all right, so so here's the ones that I've got on this list right now. Uh so I put down Kent State and Coastal. Uh I put Utah and Washington State. Uh Washington State's always fun. whoever's coaching them for whatever reason. Uh Utah State is, you know, that's a, a plucky underdog, whatever, and I really like Blake Anderson, so that's a big part of that. Uh, UAB, of course, we just talked about them. UTSA right now, I, I've kind of always liked U, uh, UTSA. Like, they, they are a recent come up, like, just started their football program, so I really enjoy them, and I, I like what Jeff Trailer's doing, obviously. Uh, but I think, that's what I'm saying. I think that's because of Jeff Trailer. If yeah. he left tomorrow and that team went to be an over for the season, you wouldn't like pulling for them anymore, and you wouldn't watch a single second of any of their games. You wouldn't even check the score of it. I see. That's the thing. I I've kind of liked them a little bit since the very beginning, right? Because they they had Larry Coker, and then their next head coach was uh, Frank Harris or Frank uh, Frank Wilson, excuse me. Um, and then you know after that, now they've moved on to Jeff Trailer. Like they've had success under all three coaches, and. It's, okay. Maybe it's I'm just wrong. Always, Maybe I'm wrong. It's, it's because it's like they they literally just started their their football program. What just a little over a decade ago, like they, you know they're still relatively new around the block. And I, I think that's I mean their fans are passionate, man. Like it, I don't understand it. I don't know how that's even possible with them being so new. But I mean they fill up the Alamo Dome, man. They they really do. Uh, the last ones that I've got. Uh, so East Carolina is my other G five one. Um, and part of that's because I like Mike Houston, but I've always kind of liked the Pirates. Like, I like the purple and, and whatever. So, uh, my G5s that I like pulling for, uh, all of them are underdogs, right? Uh, I've got Kansas on here, um, and I really like them now, but I, I always kind of found myself pulling for Kansas because they are underdogs all the time. So, Kansas and football, and then Purdue and Wake Forest. Like, those two actually have success every now and then, but they always do it a really interesting and fun way. 
So I'm, I'm always pulling for those two teams. Um, got nothing to do with the gold color, but I know that you, I know you're a Purdue guy. Like you, you like Jeff. Well, yeah, Braun. but it's because, I, well, that's it though. Like I like all, like I like Kansas when they had the big boy, you know. Oh yeah. But like I, I like Brom. I, 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 you know, I like these coaches, you know. So that's that's it. I, I like Dave at, at Wake Forest. Like I just, I, I follow people, and if those people leave, I follow. The only teams that I've ever really rooted for because of laundry LSU, and growing up. I was taught, and I can't. I can't stop. I, I got to root for another name. Like that's yeah. it. Yeah, it's a family but thing. That that's the list. Everybody else, I need. I need to know who you got and who you don't for me to judge. Am I going to hate you? Am I going to love you? Or am I just going to feel nothing for you? No, it does make sense. It does make sense. All right, uh, I think that's going to wrap up today's show. Uh, that's a that's a pretty good one. <laughs> went, yeah. went 42, 43 minutes uh, when I said, yeah, we, we probably do 30 minutes at most. But, yeah, this uh, I, I like these topics where we can just kind of sit back and chat about college football, right? We, we don't always sure. get to talk about this when, uh, when we're talking about news all the time, right? Well, okay, yeah, because news is just happening every second of every day. It is. It is. When we get to do I'm this, at it's the a little different. Talk about the news that broke today. That this show is for next week. Exactly. So. Exactly. We'll we'll be hitting on that for Friday show, of course. But uh, but yes, this is the Tuesday, March fifteenth, when and uh, and at the time of this uh, being out, I would imagine you and I will be uh, knee deep in some Mickey and Goofy and and whatever stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, I will. I will definitely not be focusing on work. Now, you all. have got that right. You've got that right. But of course, we can't let the fans down. We got to keep the content no. rolling. So everybody that wants to have some college football content in the middle of all of March Madness, uh, we're here for you. We're here for you. So uh, with that said, you know what? Uh, let me go ahead and wrap this thing up, and we will get out of here. So, Chris, do you want to hang on through the ending, or uh, you want me to go and let you go? Sure. All right. Sounds no, good. Hold on one second. Gentlemen and ladies, we appreciate you all for watching the show. Of course, again, winningcureseverything.com is the website. Go ahead and check it out. Subscribe where you need to be subscribed. Ah, with that said, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And hopefully, all of your March Madness tickets cash this week. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at Gary WCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us.